Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. When I was about 10 years old, I went on a field trip to Ballast Point in Tampa. If you've never been, it's a, it's a nice park along the water, but it is named for the fact that all throughout Ballast Park are these enormous hunks of concrete that were the ballast that they used to put in the bottom of ships, and they would empty them into the area that is now this park, Ballast Point. And I can remember as a 10-year-old, seeing Ballast Point, seeing these giant, and I mean very, very large chunks of concrete and rock, and hearing that those were put into ships to help the ships float. And I remember at 10 years old thinking, ah, yes, concrete to help ships float. Uh Uh-huh, I'm on to you. You're lying to me. It's fine. It's fine. I know you are. I'm in on the joke. I get it. I didn't understand what ballast was. I didn't understand how, how concrete could help a ship float. To be frank, I, I really didn't understand it until this week. I was this week years old when I understood why you would want to put ballast in the bottom of the ship. And it's because I did something that I think many of us have found ourselves doing in this time, which is sort of falling down a quarantine rabbit hole of information. Just asking the question, yeah, what is ballast? Why is a ballast a thing? And then, you know, Wikipedia, and then all the links at the bottom of Wikipedia, and then an engineering article. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say I know everything about ballast, but uh, I am going to say I get it. All right? I get it. And what the point of ballast was, was not just to help the ship float, but it was actually what it was doing was balancing out the top and bottom of the ship. You know, those, those giant masts and all those big sails and all that stuff up on top of the ship is pretty heavy. And if you don't have something underneath the ship, at the bottom of the ship, what's going to happen? That top heaviness is going to cause the ship to flip over. So what do you do? You put in the ballast. If you don't put enough, the ship is wobbling. It's going all over the place. But here's the trick. It's a fine, it's a tightrope that you walk when you're doing ballast. Because what happens if you put too much ballast in a ship? What 10-year-old Justin knew to be true. You put too much concrete in a boat, and it's no longer a boat. It becomes its own anchor. It's interesting that Paul uses that illustration in the passage that we're going to read today. He uses the illustration of a ship that has too much ballast. It is weighed down, burdened. Can you feel that? Have you, have you felt that way? Maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you felt that way. I think a lot of us have felt this way during quarantine, haven't we? Weighed down. The waves are crashing over the top of the boat. We're gasping for air. We're barely hanging on. Maybe you feel this way right now. Maybe you feel this way on occasion through a time of staying at home. 
or maybe maybe you're like me. I know this is the way I often handle things like this, which is I just run away and ignore that feeling. I try to chase it away with whatever I can. I stuff it down. Maybe you maybe you cover it up with activity. Whatever we do, we're all forced in one way or another to deal with this cloud that hangs over us. It's despair. It's it's every day feeling gloomy and gray. It's just too much. And this gloom and despair seems to have really moved into our lives in a number of ways in the past few months. Maybe maybe this comes from your work situation or, or lack thereof. Maybe this comes from the stress of relationships that has been put on in this time. Maybe this comes from loneliness, from isolation. Whatever it is, whatever way that this moment is pushing down on you, is weighing you down like too much ballast in a ship, whatever that is, for most of us, it's causing us to ask the question, why? Why is God doing this? Why is God letting this happen? What I want to tell you today is that God is not wasting your gloom. God is not absent from your despair, and the pain that you and I are feeling in this moment is not pointless. That our gloom has a reason. That our despair has an end, and that our pain has a point. But what is that? What is it that God is doing as we feel burdened down? That's exactly the question that Paul addresses in 2 Corinthians. So what I want you to do is, if you've got some bi- a Bible, open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm actually picking up in the next verse from what we talked about last week. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on the screen. Um, or it's in your worship guide if you've gotten that. But let me read to you 2 Corinthians. And I'm going to start... find that place here. I'm going to start in verse 8 and go to verse 11. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But That was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. And on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that we will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted to us through the prayers of many. City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. Paul tells us that he has gone through stuff too. That he has felt like we are feeling right now. He has been through it. 
And he says that you all know and that the people in Corinth all knew about the trouble that he had had in Asia. And the funny thing is he doesn't go into much detail because they knew. We don't know exactly what Paul was talking about. It could have been uh, the fact that he was thrown out of Ephesus um, for setting off the idol trade. He could have been something else. We're not entirely sure, but to be quite honest, it kind of doesn't matter what exactly the troubles that Paul faced was. It doesn't matter exactly what. What matters is, first of all, how Paul is communicating to us the way that he felt. Because Paul tells us pretty explicitly how he was feeling in that moment, and I think it's something that we can understand. He says, first of all, that they were utterly burdened. This is what sent me down the ballast rabbit hole. That they were utterly burdened, that they were overweighed, that they were pressed down, that they felt like they were being dragged from below. And not only that, they were, it was the problems that they were having were beyond their strength. They were, they were weighed down. And not only were they weighed down, the only thing they could grip onto, they were losing strength. It's like the, the trope in every action movie that has ever been, right? Somebody is hanging by just the tips of their fingers. Is that you? Are you burdened? Are you hanging on just by the tips of your fingers? Paul says that they despaired of life itself. And that he felt like he had been given a sentence of death. I think some of us right now would feel like if not a sentence of death, we have certainly been sentenced to life in prison, right? To feel a little bit at least like that for you. I think for some of us it does. Think about that. The Apostle Paul, who we know had a strong and healthy relationship with Jesus, still felt this way. He still felt overburdened. He still felt like he was just hanging on. He still felt like he had been given a death sentence. I think many of us can relate to that. Many of us can relate to that feeling. Christians, as you read that, one of the things that you should see is that being a Christian does not exempt us from any sort of, sort of pain and hardship. Being a Christian does not give us a get-out-of-gloom-free card. Rather, being a Christian and following Jesus gives us something else. We'll get to that in a minute. But we were not made to live like this. We were not made to be isolated. We were not made to be apart from one another. Now, some of you, some of you don't feel this burden in this moment. Some of you, you're doing really well. And, and quarantine has proven to you just how strong you are, just how much resolve and resilience you have. For some of you, this time has been a time of great discovery of the reserves of strength that you have inside of yourself. 
that you have not had pain and struggle. You are growing stronger. Any sort of growth in the midst of pain that leads to self-reliance is growth away from the gospel and growth away from Jesus. Let me say that again because that is in many ways not the way that we approach life. Any growth that leads to our self-reliance, that leads to my strength, what I can do, what I have handled, and what I have made it through, that I am enough for. Any time that we grow in a way that leads to more self-reliance is growth away from Jesus and growth away from the gospel. Because Paul tells us very, very clearly, very explicitly, the reason why God would let us feel gloom, despair, where he would let us be overwhelmed and on the brink of losing our grip. God did this, Paul says, so that, in order that we would be made to rely on God and not ourselves. Our struggles are always meant to lead us to rely, to trust and to dwell more deeply in Jesus. Church, friends, Christians, non-Christians, Christianity and Jesus is not for the strong. Christianity is not for the sufficient. It's not for the independent. Christianity is not for those of us who are enough. Christianity is for those of us who are weak. Those of us who are insufficient, those of us who do not have the resources to keep going. Christianity is for the broken and the overwhelmed. Christianity is for the people that the only hope they have left is for God to do something and intervene. That is who Christianity and Jesus are for. That is what God is doing with despair and gloom. That is what God is doing with struggles. He is forcing us to rely more on him. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And I don't like it for several reasons. I think you'll sympathize. I don't like it, first of all, because it requires me to actually go through the pain. In order to rely on God, I have to actually feel the pain, which means I can't numb the pain with those things that comfort me. I can't ignore the pain by being busy and doing more stuff. I can't control the pain. No, I have to feel those things that God is allowed. I have to feel overburdened. I have to feel weighed down. I have to feel the pain that God is putting into this moment and other moments. I can't run from it. But I also don't like this, and we buck against this for another reason. We, we, we begin to see the pain. We begin to see the way that the pain turns us to Jesus and makes me more reliant on him, but
But that creates another problem. The more reliant I become on Jesus, the more aligned my eyes become with what he is doing. And as I begin to see things with Jesus' eyes, I see how continually self-reliant I am. It's, it's like um, an onion or perhaps like a parfait. Every time you get through one layer, there's another layer of the same thing underneath. In the onion. That's the way that my self-reliance, that our self-reliance works. And so pain and gloom, and despair, and struggle, all have a purpose within Christianity. The purpose of those things is to make us rely more on God. If you're joining us this morning and you're not a Christian, the question that I have for you is, how do you make sense of pain and hurt, of gloom, despair, and misery? Christianity says, this is why it happens. What's your why? What's your why? You know, besides ballast, one of the things that I've been thinking about this week is, is conspiracy theories. And, and not, um, not any particular conspiracy theory, but why is it that we as humans are drawn to them? Why is it that we create them? Why is it that we perpetuate them? And the reason is that we as humans are meaning-making machines. We want to make sense and make meaning out of our life. And if we don't have a way of putting all the pieces together, if we don't have a way of thinking of the world, our hearts and our minds will naturally just start grabbing any way that we can fit everything together. And so we end up with some crazy things. But what's interesting is the narrative that keeps all of those things together is what you truly believe and what truly matters to you. If you're not a Christian, here's what I want to challenge you to do today. Think about what the reason for pain is. What the reason for despair is. Not just why it happens, but what is the point of it? Because when you begin to ask that question, what you'll do is you'll begin to understand what you truly believe and what you truly trust in. And you can begin to evaluate what you believe based on that. And so God wants to make us who are Christians more reliant on him. And the way that God does this is by allowing us to go through hard times. But when that does happen, when we let that pain have its work, when we let those struggles turn us into people who are more reliant on God, it begins to change us. And Paul shows us several ways that it does begin to change us. He shows us that the fruit of relying on God, one of the things is its prayer. And it's interesting that prayer is ultimately a humble act. Because think about the things that you pray for. Do you pray for things that you can handle? No, you don't. You only pray for the things that you think you can't handle. 
as we become more and more reliant on God, what we begin to understand is the list of things that we should be praying for is even greater because the list of things that we actually can handle is even smaller than we think. And so the fruit of relying on God is beginning to see God more through prayer, to become more humble through that. Paul also mentions that thankfulness is a part of this life, a life that is reliant on God. And thankfulness, gratefulness, what is that? That is thanking someone else for something we did not do. Do you see the theme of what Paul is beginning to weave through this? Gratefulness, prayerfulness are all things that come to us when we are reliant on Jesus, when we are trusting in Jesus, when we are seeing him as our focus. And it changes us into more humble and reliant people. And all of this begins with our heart being changed first. In Christianity, there is no fake it until you make it. There's no faking it until you make it in Christianity. Because true Christianity always begins inside our heart. By our heart walking through the pain. By our heart becoming more reliant on God, and then our actions, our prayerfulness, our gratefulness, our thankfulness begin to flow out of a heart that's already been changed. We can't get it twisted and change it the other way. There's one more thing that Paul mentions that relying on God causes in us. Paul Paul says in verse 10 something, something really beautiful. He says, he has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. And on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. That that may seem at first reading like he's being a little bit redundant, but what Paul is showing us is that God has delivered us, God is delivering us, and God will deliver us. God is engaged in our past, he is with us in the present, and he is taking us to be with him. He has delivered us. He is delivering us right now, and one day he will deliver us. That is our hope. That is our hope that God is with us and active. Now, does that mean that he will deliver us by making us not have to go through these things? No, that's not what Paul is saying but rather that he will grow us and walk with us through these things. That he will make us more reliant on him. You see, he he delivered us from sin and death and self in the past by his death on the cross. And it was once and for all. There is no longer any atonement. There is no longer any sacrifice. There is no longer any good works that we need because Jesus paid it all for us. He has died on our behalf. And what's interesting is the very sort of things that Paul describes that we are going through in this moment are the kind of things that Jesus understands because he went through them himself. Jesus was overburdened and weighed down the night before the crucifixion as he wept and prayed to his father. Jesus was the one 
who was in despair. Jesus is the one who experienced the death sentence. Jesus is the one who was cut off from God so that you and I don't have to be. So that you and I can begin to live and be reliant on him. So what? So what does this all mean? There's a few things that this makes me think of. For some of us, we need to stop running, covering, or controlling our pain. We need to stop pretending that the quarantine isn't happening and we just don't have any gas money right now. No, we need to experience what is actually happening right now. We need to allow ourselves to feel the pain so that we can move through it to become more reliant on God. Some of us need to repent of our self-righteousness. Some of us need to repent of the ways as we've listened this morning to God's word that we have thought, ah, yeah, I hope so-and-so is listening. I hope so-and-so is tuned in because they really need to hear this. Some of us need to repent as we were writing this sermon of thinking too hard about who really needs to hear this because that is self-righteousness in me. Some of us, some of us need to repent of being self-reliant, of living our life by our strength. We need to turn to Jesus and say, not by my strength, but by yours. Not by my intelligence. Not by my hustle. Not by all the lessons I've learned. Not by all the experiences I've gained. Not by my strength. But by the Lord's help. And all of us need to turn to Jesus. Jesus who who loves us so much that he has delivered us. He is delivering us. And he will deliver us. Church, your pain is not pointless. God is making you more reliant on him. Let's Let's move in the same direction as God. Let's follow in Paul's footsteps that even though he felt like he had gotten a death sentence, his trust in God grew. It overflowed. And it made other people more thankful and prayerful. It grew his hope. Church, may we see the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus through the way that he has delivered us, he will deliver us, and he is delivering us. Let's pray.